Again, this is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And I want to read that last verse for you one more time with knowing that the phrase that says guard your hearts is like a soldier guarding a fort. So the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. You may be seated. I wrote a prayer for this message and I want to share it with you at this time. If this prayer resonates inside of you, then you'll know that this message really does speak to your heart. So would you pray with me? God... I'm feeling so anxious and uncertain. Sometimes with cause and sometimes without. Feelings run through me which are hard to manage. Please tell me everything's going to be okay. Help me find in you, in the little things of the day, reminders of your presence that I am loved. Things just seem to work out when I focus on you and your presence with me. In my head, I think of scenarios about how bad it will turn out. I get panicked inside and don't know how to shut my thoughts off. You calm the winds and waves of the stormy sea. Sometimes I feel I am that raging sea that needs you to speak peace to it. So still the depths in me. Let my shores be a place of peace. My soul cries out to you. See me. Search my unsearched depths. Tell me I am okay. Tell me you love me as you hold me close to your heart today. Yes, I pray that you would hold me close to you. And tomorrow, my prayer will be the same. The promise of Scripture is mine. Your peace garrisons my heart as I embrace you in thankful service to others. I am filled with gratitude as my heart rests in you now. Amen. I'm always worried about isolating myself and losing half the audience when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am a Cubs fan. <laughs> I don't know what you know about baseball or do know, but I do know this. Last year I followed it very diligently all year because I thought they might win everything and they did surprisingly uh, to me and to many but also thankfully but I'm not here to talk about the Cubs I'm here to talk about what happened as what motivated them and it, and it talks about anxiety in their uh, team mantra last year I have to actually paraphrase it because they use a word I don't think is appropriate from the pulpit. Their phrase was like this, embrace the struggle. And for a long time I didn't understand what that meant. 
Embrace the struggle means that the struggle is real in this world. Don't pretend it's not. Know that there's going to be tough times, there's going to be problems, there's going to be things you're going to have to deal with. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, we live in a world full of sin. And we are all sinners saved by grace. And yet all of us still have the tendency in our lives to do things that are in uh, opposite nature of the will of God. It just happens that way. That we are sinful people in a sinful world needing more of God's grace every day. One person said, sin much so that you may be forgiven much, but I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about you already have sinned much, so you need forgiven much. Amen. We all need God's grace. Amen? Amen? So embracing the struggle means you're going to have days when you just, you just blow it. It's not going to work out. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to say some things you wish you wouldn't and do some things you wish you had never done and have some second guesses about your own ability and lose your confidence. And you say, but am I even saved? Am I even godly if I keep doing this? You have to embrace the struggle and understand that those days are going to come. It doesn't show as a reflection of that you're no longer with God or part of who God is. You have to embrace the humanity of being human. If you don't, you begin to think that you have to be perfect. And then you begin to think other believers have to be perfect. And if they mess up, there's something wrong with them. But the fact is, if something happens and people aren't perfect, it means they're normal. Having a struggle is not something that is immune to a Christian. A struggle is not immune to anybody born on this planet. If you think a struggle is ungodly, then do not look at the example of Jesus Christ because He struggled. He very much struggled with having to go to the cross. He very much struggled with disciples that would not listen. That were very faithless. If you think you have to win every battle, then you are uh, better than what Jesus did. He didn't get everybody. I'll share this with you and don't ever forget this. Jesus did not win everybody over. As a matter of fact, at the end of His life, He lost more than He won. Until His resurrection. Then He won more than He ever lost. And that's a good thing for us. And Jesus has some great examples. And today when we talk about anxious thoughts and anxiety, there's a great story in Mark chapter 4. I love this this story. It's uh, one of those passages we're kind of familiar with. It's... uh, I got it on the screen for you. It says, Without a parable, He did not speak to them. And when they were alone, He explained all these things to His disciples. But on the same day when evening had come, He said to them, Let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took Him along in the boat as He was. And other little boats were also with Him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. You'll notice in other passages that talk about these bad storms, that they start rowing harder, (laughs) trying to overcome and, and losing the sails so they don't break. And sooner or later, the rowing doesn't work. Well, 
they're rowing and trying to save their lives, or so it seems. But Jesus, it says in verse 38, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. <coughs> what a picture that is of calm, huh? And so they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? If someone's asleep, they have no clue. First thing. They don't know. But they are filled and riddled with anxiety at this moment because they think they're going to die. (coughs) Truth of the matter is, they might have. It's a very dangerous storm. They are seasoned fishermen who have seen storms like this, but not this bad. This one's bigger than any they've ever faced. And so in the Tissy they go, wake up, don't you care? Oh, God, we care about what? You know, you can imagine his response, right? It's like, God, wake me up when it's over. And they're going, don't you care where perishing's going? Uh-huh. We're perishing? Really? You woke me up to tell us that? And uh, he gets up, thankfully for them. But they're anxious. You can tell, can't you? Because you don't wake someone up and go, don't you care? Unless you're anxious. Are really concerned. Hey, the house is on fire. Why don't you wake up? Don't you care? The house is on. Well, I didn't know. I was sleeping. That kind of comment, you know. So, so the, so he he rises in verse thirty nine. He rebukes the wind and says to the sea, "Peace, be still." And it says the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. All he said was, "Peace, be still." And I think what he was really saying is, Father, calm this sea. I want to get some rest. So these guys will stop bugging me. It's kind of like that. You ever had uh, a two-year-old or a three-year-old come up to you all the time and go, Give me, give me, give me, give me. Why? Why? And what's this? And and just nonstop. Oh, it's scary outside. Can you come with me? When you're training your children to use the bathroom, you're going to go every time. Even if it's a false alarm, you've got to go every time. But they're anxious. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Well, we get that anxiety a little bit with them too. Yeah, we better get you there. You know, this is this is common. Anxiety is a normal thing. It is not an abnormal feeling all the time. And so Jesus says, Peace be still, and the calm there is great. The boat that they're in and the other little boats now have a crystal clear sea. What would your response be if it, all of a sudden in the middle of the worst storm you've ever seen in your life it's just quit? It just went away instantly. From the worst nightmarish hurricane or tornado and you're in the middle of it and all of a sudden it's gone. Like there never was one. What would you say to the one that can calm that? Who are you? That's what they said. Who are you that you can do that? Who are you? We don't know God like that. And it's unfortunate because we don't know that the one that can calm the sea can calm the hearts. We don't know that kind of God. Why? Because we're still trying to calm the seas ourselves. 
And here's why. You see, in our life, we've gotten comfortable. Used to comfort. Creature comforts. In this country, if you make over $3,000 a year, you're in one of the wealthiest percent of the world. No matter how much you, how you get that income, $3,000 a year is poverty line. In some countries, that is one of the highest income levels. And we go, how do they do that? Well, look at what they live in. No water, no electric, wooden huts, thatch roofs, handmade clothes. They hunt for their food. The money they buy is to buy necessities like things to cook their food with, weapons, and that's about it. So we've gotten comfortable. And when you get comfortable, what happens is we complacently stop striving and fear comes in and we start to lose what we might have. The worst thing about someone told me when they, they were wealthy, they said the worst thing about it is I was afraid someone was going to take it. I was going to lose it all by someone stealing it. Yet when we press on in our lives toward a goal, we see setbacks and struggles as roadblocks we must navigate. Well, this is just something in the way to where I want to go. I'm going to go around it. I'm going to work it. We row harder. Like the disciples did when the storm started. We start to row harder. We're determined to make it to the other side, wherever we're going. But if we have no goal or purpose, complacency, fear, and yes, even anxiety will eventually be your companion on the journey. Our rowing fails us when that happens. We do well. We thrive under a healthy challenge. But when a struggle is too large and a challenge too great, we begin to stress. And yet we see the disciples and look at Jesus and say, you have a lack of compassion. God, don't you see my situation? How many of us will admit that we blame God for those difficult times sometimes. God, it could have turned out different. You're big enough, you could have you saw this coming, why didn't you change it? I do that sometimes. But but now my language is changing. And I'll tell you why. It's because the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter four says the verses I read today. We're going to get to those in just a moment to share with you how we can begin to reprogram. But first of all, I, I have to tell you the framework of why I share this with you. I think most of you know I struggle with anxiety. They say that anxiety comes from a threat, either real or perceived. Anxious thoughts fill my days. Some... Logical, some illogical. And I'm learning, though, that my thoughts and feelings are actually quite normal. But my response to them can be unhealthy if I let those thoughts continue to grow. And here's what happens and how I learned that this is a timely message for me and a hope for you. As Thanksgiving approaches every year, I become grateful... <coughs> And I love talking about being grateful for things. And when I do, my anxiety drops. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. 
If you're thankful, your anxiety level goes down. If you ever wanted to write a note, that's a good one. Be thankful when you're anxious, in other words. Gratitude eases off my anxiety. It might do the same for you. But anxious thoughts and anxiety can paralyze. It's one way the enemy can get us to focus on how we feel. When this happens, we become less effective for God's kingdom. But I have a secret for you. Emotions change quicker than the weather. You don't believe me? Watch a baby when you take a toy and then give it right back. Immediately. The siren goes off, you give it back, and the siren quits. Just happens that way. Instantly, the waterworks start and instantly they stop. And as soon as they got it back, they're googling and happy immediately. Why is that? Because their emotions are unfiltered and their joy is unquenched. It's true. They're so thankful to have it back that they're happy instantly. Doesn't matter if it was just to wash it off or pick it up off the floor. They're happy instantly that it's back. That's gratitude in the most simplest form. If you have anxiety, it doesn't mean you're a failure. And your, your system isn't broken. It's not a sin to be anxious. It's not a lack of trust in Jesus. It's not a lack of faith or hope. It can tell us things are more dangerous than they really are. And it does do that for me and probably for many of us who struggle with it. You see, it triggers the fear button inside of us because there's a threat. It says fight, flight, or run away, or freeze. Three different responses to fear and threats. Anxiety can be paralyzing. The freeze. It can be problematic. The fight. It can be lonely to run away. But it is able to be lived with and there's an advantage. We didn't know this, those of us who struggle with anxiety, we have an advantage over others. We have skills to deal with scary situations. We face them all the time, real or perceived. But I want to share this morning, it's time to get God in on this battle. What do you think? Don't you think that the Scriptures need to give us some help? And they do. Now I call this Philippians chapter 4 a take a, a, take a deep breath chapter. You know how they say when you just need to just slow down, just take a deep breath. Well, this chapter is that and more. This take a deep breath chapter talks about how we get anxious thoughts. As a matter of fact, it doesn't say you won't have anxiety. It says don't let yourself be anxious in anything. That's at verse 6. But he says, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, Paul is no fool. 
He knows that anxiety comes when something's missing. Something's out of place. Or something feels dangerous. And so he's saying to begin the process of reducing the anxious moments and feelings to begin to pray and praise God with thanksgiving. Now what a perfect message it is that having a thanksgiving message that comes with reducing our stress level. <laughs> I'll imagine that there are some people in this very room who are stressed over can they do Christmas for people? Will they have enough? Will they have enough time? Will they have enough resources? Where will they go? How do they manage all the crazy schedules, all the places they got to be? Some of us got insane schedules and then Christmas had six more things or more. But it's true. So we want to be stressed out about it. We want, But what we don't understand is this is a privilege to have these things on our calendar. It's not something that everybody in this world gets. And But we're not grateful. We're going, how am I going to balance it rather than, hey, Thank you, God, for all these opportunities to share your love with other people that I don't know who have here in the air. So give me grace, Heavenly Father, to be gracious with those around me, loving with those around me, and the ability to give. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've called me to this place. When it says in this passage, in verse number 8, after it says, let your requests be made known to God. It says, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. The peace that passes all understanding. It's not just saying it passively. Peace is not a passive thing. You have to allow the peace of God. You know what I mean? It doesn't just, here's God's peace, boom, you got it. You actually have to allow His peace to rest on you. You have to know the process of letting your life calm down in the grace and presence of God. We aren't born knowing this. It is not something that we are taught in school. Life may teach us certain skills, but to rest in the peace of God is something that we have to learn. And it's a tool that we have to learn to use to allow it to calm and guard our hearts and minds. And I love that it says to guard your hearts and minds in that verse 7. Not just your heart, and this is what we think, I'm feeling anxious. It doesn't come from your heart. The anxiousness comes from your thinking. Anxious thoughts create anxious feelings. Anxious feelings do not create anxious thoughts. Anxious feelings come from thoughts that create those feelings which then stir more anxious thoughts. We get the cart before the horse sometimes. Well, I feel this way and therefore I'm going to think this way. It's not true. Your brain goes first. <laughs> it runs everything. It's the supercomputer that tells you how to feel. And you may not know the thought you had, but all of a sudden your brain processes a billion circuits at a time and says this is how you need to feel because this is supposed to be anxiety creating. And so you feel it instantly without ever thinking it. But your brain already has connected the dots for you. And when that happens, guess what? You're in a tizzy. And your heart rate starts to go up. You start to worry. Maybe bite your nails. Um, start to fidget. Start to think worst case scenarios. Because this is what we do when we're anxious. We start to wonder if someone's watching us. 
If we've got an escape route planned, some of us have a little bit of paranoia in with our anxiety. And I hate to tell you this, that just because you have some paranoia, it doesn't mean that they're not out there to get you. It doesn't mean they are either. But we, in our anxious thoughts, think the danger is bigger than what it is. However, a warning of danger is very important for us. If there is a storm coming in and you see a tornado walking or, or racing rather toward you and you don't have any anxious thoughts, I'm concerned. Oh, look at that thing. It's going to kill me. I'll just watch it. You, you need anxiety in your life, okay? You've got to have it. Otherwise, you're going to sit there and do nothing. Anxiety's purpose is to get you to move. To get you to do something. To get you to change something for the better. That's its goal. That's its purpose. That's that emotion's task. I feel threat. I feel danger. I'm anxious. Then change your environment. Most of us think we're stuck in our anxiety, but we're not. We're in an environment most of the time we can do something about. But those anxious thoughts make us feel paralyzed and so we begin to forget what's out there that's a possibility in our frame of reference of what we can and cannot do. Anybody here struggle with anxiety? Am I just talking to myself? Okay, i got a few of us. I'll get the rest of us here in just a moment. Oh, don't worry. It gets closer to home. You see, we all every now and then need to slow down. We often block the work of the Holy Spirit and the peace God offers through its work. And I don't want you to do that anymore. The Holy Spirit this morning has a task for us. If you don't know the purpose of the Holy Spirit, I want to share it with you. It is to give you unction. If you don't know what that is, I'll share with you that there are ways to find out, just not this morning from me. The Holy Spirit's job is to quicken you. Again, it has a purpose for that. It's here to convict you. It's here to give you gifts to carry out the ministry and task of the kingdom. It's here to anoint you. It's here to empower you to live a Christ-filled life. And it's here to convince you that the grace of God and the peace of God is for you. That it's bigger than anything you can face is the Holy Spirit's conviction that God is bigger. You can't know that without the Holy Spirit sharing that, whispering it to your heart. No matter what you're going through, keep going through. Get to the other side. You're going through, says the Holy Spirit. You will get there. Your hearts may be anxious and struggling, and that's completely understandable. But God doesn't want you to stay there permanently. He has a way for you to move within that you may move outside of yourself as well. And he tells us, this is such a wonderful passage that, um, that it's almost hard for me to, to ever break away from it because Paul has such a powerful message. But I want to remind you of what I shared with you last week um, about the second chapter when he said he has nobody to care for him because others seek after things of God. In that moment, it sounds like Paul is complaining. This is the same book, same church, 
But here he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't have anxious thoughts. If he has a reason, and Paul does, if anybody ever had a reason, he's got a million of them to be anxious. He's sending Timothy to the church at Philippi so nobody will be his caretaker and nobody is providing for his needs. Nobody is there to love on him and help him and Paul's in a pretty tough place. <laughs> I'm saying that pretty tough. We would say an impossible place. Very difficult to keep the faith what he's going through. And yet I give you an insight. Paul says, a couple of verses after these, he says, You've done well. You shared in my distress. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. This is the church of Philippi. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I'm seeking a gift, but I seek fruit that abounds to your account. And here's what Paul says. And yet I have all and I abound. I am full. And I receive from Epaphroditus the things you sent. A sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then he says, And my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Nowhere does he say, you know, this is really tough. He's thanking them. He's thanking God for the gift they've given. That he's content with whatever he receives from God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So how do we do this? How does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, in verse 8 it tells us. He says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue or excellence, if there's anything that's praiseworthy, meditate or think about these things. I love this. He's saying, think on the positive and the good. Put your mind to work on things that are helpful. You cannot have two thoughts at the same time. You also cannot have two emotions at the same time. You can't be anxious and happy. It doesn't work. I'm so scared, but I'm happy about it. <laughs> you can't laugh and cry at the same time of a different emotional place of grief and joy. It's just like, I'm so happy. It just doesn't work. One or the other is going to come out. You cannot be anxious and happy. You cannot be grateful and miserable at the same time. They come from two different places and they feel completely different. And this is what Paul is trying to say. What I call this is being double emotion. You can't be that way. You can be double-minded. You can think two different ways about the same thing, but you can't feel at the same time two different things. Not two different emotions, that is. So Paul says... 
Get your emotions focused and your thoughts focused on the things that create positive emotions. Now maybe this is where Norman Vincent Peale got the power of positive thinking. I don't know for sure, but I do know this. That it's scriptural that if you will think about things that bring you joy, the blessings that God has given you, family that you love, uh, things that bring you hope. If you surround yourself with things you love, and think about those things, you're not going to be going, oh, I'm just so worried that someone's going to take them away. You're not going to do that. What you're going to do is say, these things I love, and I love the things that they bring to my life and my heart, and I'm so thankful for them, and I'm so grateful for them. Oh, and, and by the way, I love them, and God loves me, and therefore, no matter what thoughts might try to say, but someone might try to take that away, we say, no, they won't. No, they won't. That's ridiculous because they're, they're, they're the things we love. If I love you, who can take that away? <laughs> Nothing can take that away except me. You can't take it away because you didn't make it happen. If you love somebody, you love somebody. Nothing's going to steal that. So if you're thinking about things you love, there's no fear in that love. We talked a little bit about that last week as well. And so I just want to share with you that if you think like that, you will have peace. And Paul says in that great ninth verse, the things which you learned, and there it is, learned, and received, which is the grace of God and the peace, and that you heard and saw in me, that is Paul, these things do. And the God of peace will be with you. If your situation and your struggles seem too big for God, you don't know the right God. If your broken heart can't be healed by God, you don't know the right God. If your sickness is too big for God, again, you don't know the right God. We're witnesses in this very church of restoration and healing and blessing and love and what it's like to come together as family. These are all gifts to us. Do you understand? These are from God. A God who wants peace in your heart. If you've ever seen the hurricane graphics of the storm, the cloud formation, or the guys on the Weather Channel doing the broadcasts live in the hurricane, they're saying, it's really rough here in the eye wall, and he's you know, about to blow sideways, and, and the wind is throwing him around, and he can hardly see, and he's going, it's really hard to see this rain really stings, I'm just trying to get through the eye wall, it's the worst part of the storm, and just a minute I'll make it through, and it'll all be calm, you'll see. You heard it, right? You watch those things. The storm has a little hole, itty bitty hole, compared to the size of the storm. It's called the eye. The bigger the eye, the bigger the storm. Listen to me. The bigger the eye, the bigger the storm. So if you're in a storm and your life's a mess, or the anxiety or other things are building up in your life, it's going to get stronger until the calm comes. But hear this: Jesus can bring you to the eye of the storm and give you calm in the midst of a storm. 
What he does is he is the calm in the middle of the storm. He's reaching through and saying, I've been there where you are. Let me pull you to the center of the storm where there's calm. And you can watch the winds rage around you, but you're safe with me. Because as soon as the eye comes, and I've been in a hurricane before, and in the eye where I thought it was over, I, I won't make that mistake twice, hopefully. But I remember it was Katrina. <laughs> Katrina. Not a little bitty hurricane. One of the big dudes. <laughs> One of the big dudes. And I went out in the middle of the eye because it was calm. I thought it was over. So I went out and the power was still on where I was at and there was a restaurant open so I went and got a cup of coffee. My nephew was up for a few days from the coast so we just went had coffee and we decided to fill it with gas because we knew storm coming, they're probably going to raise gas prices. So we go to the gas station to get gas. We turn on the pump, it's after hours, like 10.30 at night, slide the credit card in, put the nozzle in, and he puts his in his, and some wind starts picking up. <coughs> Within three minutes, we're in a hundred mile an hour breeze and transformers are blowing around us. We got about $3 worth of gas before we said, let's get out of here. And the power went off, of course. But that's what it's like, is when we're anxious, all we see is the storm. We don't know that Jesus is a calming force in our life because we're looking at the storm and the things that make us more anxious. And Paul is saying, think about the things that don't create anxiety in you. Think about the God who loves you and who stands in the middle of that storm and the bigger it is, the bigger the calm spot is. The bigger the safe zone is in the middle of the storm. It's not safe out of the storm, it's safe in the middle. So he's saying, press in to where I am in the midst. On the boat, where was Jesus? He was in the boat, wasn't he? And, and was he in the storm? Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. He was in the midst of the storm with the disciples. And when he said peace, the storm grew quiet. Paul said, when you begin to allow the peace of God, which passes your knowledge and your mind's capability, it will guard it. The peace of God will guard it if you allow yourself to think on the things that don't create stress and turmoil, but rather think about the things that bring good report. Lovely, holy, righteous things. Here's what I said when I first heard those words from the mouth of a pastor. And you might be thinking the same thing. Okay, preacher, fantasy land is a nice place to live, but you got to deal with the real world. You're going to have those stress. You're going to have to deal with those things. You're going to have to handle the struggles and the problems. So you can't just be hunky-dory and puppies and rainbows. That's what I said when he said that. Of course, I didn't say it during the midst of his sermon. I just thought it. But in my mind, that's what I was thinking. And maybe you think the same way as I did. But here's what... That pastor did not say that I'm going to say to you that those things, those struggles, are not ultimate. They do not dictate your life. 
They do not dictate your thinking. You do. What you focus on, you focus on. You focus on and praise God and you work through the stuff. Knowing it's stuff, not a problem, it's stuff that comes up because we know it's going to. We embrace the struggle, but we don't call it a possession. How does Paul have peace, you wonder? In the midst of his lonely situation, where he's giving up his caretaker, he finds the grace and presence of God there. He thinks and prays about things that stop his negative mindset. He looks for reasons to rejoice and to be thankful. Now, I didn't say this verse or the next verse I'm going to share with you because you would jump to it and go, see there? Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says to rejoice in Him always. He doesn't say in all things, but to rejoice in the Lord because He's still God. This is what he says right before he talks about the peace of God, to rejoice. So he says, by prayer and supplications, let your requests be made known to God. He says, the things you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. God of peace will be with you. That's verse 9. Verse 10, he says, I rejoice in God greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though surely you did care, but you had no opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to my need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Hear these two verses as Paul's heart. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound, to have little and a lot. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and hungry. To abound and to suffer need in all situations. And then verse 13, the one we quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To always be hungry for more of God. And always hungry to do the next thing for His kingdom. Does Paul say it's easy? No. He says it's a practice you learn. How many of us here would like to make a difference in other people's lives? Would you? Would you like to see this world be a better place because you've been in it? That you would inspire, encourage, cause someone to rise up to be great? There's greatness all around us here. Some of us just need a little hope in the right direction and say, you're destined for greatness for God. But our anxious thoughts keep us from doing that. And this is the enemy's trick. He's coming to steal your joy, to kill off hope. Because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming to destroy your identity in Jesus Christ. He's telling you your your anxiety and your stress is real and permanent. Mm -hmm. 
and that you should serve Him. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God says otherwise. That He's here to heal and restore your heart. Give you hope again. To bring you to a place where when you cry out to God, you know He's there immediately. Do you remember the prayer I started off with? It's the prayer I want to close with now. Pray with me. God, I'm feeling so anxious and uncertain, sometimes with cause and sometimes without. Feelings run through me which are hard to manage. Please tell me everything is going to be okay. Help me find you in the little things of the day. Reminders of your presence and I am loved. Things just seem to work out when I focus on you and your presence with me. In my head, I think of scenarios about how bad it will turn out. I get panicked inside and don't know how to shut my thoughts off. You calm the winds and waves of the stormy sea. Sometimes I feel I am that raging sea that needs you to speak peace to it. Still the depths in me. Let my shores be a place of peace. My soul cries out to you. See me. Search my unsearched depths. Tell me I am okay. Tell me you love me as you hold me close to your heart today. Yes, I pray that you would hold me close to you. And tomorrow, my prayer will be the same. The promise of Scripture is mine. Your peace garrisons my heart as I embrace you in thankful service to others. I'm filled with gratitude as my heart rests in you now. Amen. Ginger is going to sing our closing song today. I wanted you to have an opportunity to...